You could easily claim that attention is the most sought-after commodity of our time. You might have something you want to say, but so do a lot of other people, and it's a noisy world out there. In this episode, we'll look into that first challenge for a speaker with a message, how to introduce a topic in such a way that it hooks people's attention. We're talking about the grabber. And in our show today, we've got everything from cheeky kids and ping-pong balls to funny accountants and a Morecambe and Wise sketch. I'm your host, Andrew Thorpe. Welcome to Leaning Forward. A few years ago, I found myself at a networking event in Manchester, seated in an audience of maybe 80 people, uh, waiting for the guest presenter to begin his talk. He was a communication skills expert from the Dale Carnegie organisation, and he began with an unusual revelation. He said, uh, good morning, everybody. Now, before you came in the room, I taped a ping pong ball under one of your seats. Um, Why? Well, because I'm going to ask the lucky person who's sitting in that seat to come up to the front and sing some karaoke with me. Now, the look on people's faces was a sight to behold. It was a mixture of um, surprise, alarm and dread. Um, And we didn't know, of course, whether to reach under our chairs or just hope for the best. Don't worry, said the speaker. I'm only joking. I just wanted to make you feel what it's like to be outside your comfort zone. And he certainly succeeded there. It was a a very effective grabber opening. And and in sharp contrast, I have to say, with the usual, um, hi, my name's Jeff. um, I'm a skills trainer. And today I'm going to talk to you about X, Y and Z. Now, we're going to look at this technique in more detail today and explore how you might grab people's attention in a way that strengthens your message and maintains your dignity and your professionalism. And the way you start really does matter. It's a bit like that cliche about first impressions. Um, There's a principle in presenting called primacy and recency. Um, Primacy being the thing that we experience um, first as an audience and recency, the last or the most recent thing. And there's always a sense of expectation and maybe hope at the start of a presentation when you're in the audience. Um, So you've got a very attentive audience in those moments between, you know, when you're introduced and your opening line. Um, It's your big chance to make an impression and create that leaning forward response. Um, Oh, this sounds like it might be interesting and maybe a bit different. And sadly, that traditional um, hi, my name is Jeff opening produces more of a, oh, here we go again, reaction and a switch of attention to the smartphone. As the presenter settles into the meat of their talk, Um, the core content, the bulk of what they prepared in advance. And audience members may dip in and out. Um, Their their attention level will veer between mildly interested and and maybe even disengaged until suddenly they perk up. 
Um, and why? Well, because the speaker uses the line um, and in conclusion and they think, ah, oh, it's nearly finished. Um, and that's why you've also got a chance to impress at the end. Um, that's the recency principle. But that's for another episode. Um, you know what you do at the end of a talk. Uh, so let's come back to the opening grabber. Um, and remember that feeling I mentioned before, uh, the, ooh, this sounds like it might be interesting uh, and maybe different feeling. That's really what you're aiming for as a speaker, but different circumstances require different approaches. So you, you have to take certain factors into account, um, such as how confident and skilled you are at this. And um, if you're quaking in your boots at the prospect of saying a line that you could never hear yourself saying then that's problematic. Um, also, who your audience is. Are they school kids? Are they your peers? Or are they um, uh, you know, scary, time-pressed senior executives and leaders? And the type of situation or occasion will dictate as well. Is it a 60-second elevator pitch? Is it a TED talk? Um, a client presentation or maybe a eulogy? So there is no single answer here. It depends. But there is always a way to open that gets the reaction that you're looking for. And here are a few examples. So you could open with a story. And this works well when you've got some time to work with, like in a, a TED talk and the, the creative freedom to fill that time in whatever way you wish. And one of my favourite examples was a speaker who preceded me at a marketing conference um, a few years ago. It was in Bucharest in Romania. And he kind of started like this. He said, um, the other week, my um, seven-year-old son came up to me um, and he said, Dad, we've, we've, got to, we've got to bring your dad to school day coming up. And we've got to tell everybody what our dads do for a, for a job. Um, what is it you, you actually do at work? And I puffed my chest out and I said very proudly, well, I'm a brand strategist, son. And he looked at me very disappointedly and he said, um, well, I think we've probably got enough dads coming along. Um, thanks. And when the guy delivered this line, he got a lovely reaction from the audience. They all giggled. Um, and then he went on to say, and it got me thinking, what is it that I actually do for a living? And it made me realize that all I really do is I help organizations tell their story better. And that was his opening. And I think it worked really well because it's it showed a degree of humility. It's nice when you um, accept the fact that sometimes your your child has taught you a lesson. I think it also created a nice... Uh, reaction, um, you know, that they, they, they warmed to the speaker because of this self-deprecating story. Um, but it also was a lovely segue into what he wanted to talk about and, you know, his insights uh, around the, the, the concept of, of marketing in the, in, in the social media age, for example, which I think was his theme on the day. And when it was my turn to speak next, um, all I could think about was how good his opening was compared to what I got prepared Another technique I've seen used at the beginning is to say the same thing in two different ways and then to ask the audience which they prefer. But you've got to make sure that the two versions are sufficiently different 
And of course, they will readily choose the right version for the point that you want to make. If they choose the wrong one, then maybe you need to recalibrate your opening a little bit. And a Norwegian psychologist and climate campaigner uh, called Per Epson Stockness um, did this in his TED talk uh, from 2017. I think it was in New York City. And he described the impact that we're having on our planet in two very different ways. And firstly, with lots of scientific terminology and data um, that sounded pretty dry. And then secondly, in some alarming doomsday scenario language that produced an audible gasp from the audience. Um, You know, crazy heat waves that will cook us under a blazing sun. And many of you will be presenting data as well. You know, you you might be in that sort of first category of, well, I, I do rely on scientific terminology and data. Um, but if you're presenting data, you can still start a presentation and maybe help the audience to interpret the, the data you're presenting in such a way that is more engaging and more, shall we say, storified. And one of the things you can do if you are having to present some numbers is just to put three numbers up on the opening slide. Um, let's say 27, 12,894, 349, and just put them there on the screen and then just let them sit there for a moment. So the audience is looking at them, they're wondering what they are, why they're significant, and then you reveal their meaning in such a way that it links into your theme. So again, this idea of putting something out there, creating intrigue, They don't quite know what it is yet, but then you reveal and then you're on your way. That's a really nice technique. And you can do this with a a date as well. I I remember I I used 1955 as a a date once on an opening slide. Nothing else on there other than the date. And that was the year two great rivals were born. Um, That was Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. And I wanted to talk about speaking styles how one was hugely charismatic on stage, that's Jobs, of course, while the other looked on enviously, Um, but how Bill Gates, although not a natural, had learned over time how to become a better presenter. And the underlying message there was that there's hope for all of us, for everyone, uh, when it comes to being a better speaker. You don't have to be a born, natural, charismatic speaker to be an effective communicator. That technique of opening with a specific date is also an example of what I would call zooming in and zooming out. So you zoom in tight on something small like an email you received or a a chance meeting on a train and then you zoom out to make a broader point so that perhaps that incident got you thinking. Uh, Maybe it set off a chain of events um, or or that small incident illustrates what's wrong with the way we're doing things in our organisation right now. And another way to do this is to make that opening a personal thing for the audience. Um, You you know, you might reference a line in a blog that's been written by someone on the panel that you're presenting to. Um, Maybe a specific line that you feel is relevant to our discussion today. And a few months ago, I I actually tried this with some delegates from a large European organisation. And I think it's always a good idea if you can research If you've got a list of names of people that you're going to be pitching to or presenting to, try and find out something about them beforehand that, again, is aligned with what you want to say. 
So on this particular occasion, I managed to find um, an interview, a video interview that one of the delegates had done, which was on Facebook. And he worked in the human rights division of this organization. And in his interview, which I think was a conference, um, he used a line which was something like, in order to understand human rights, we, we need to come down from abstract language and start talking about the individual stories of people whose lives have been affected by human rights violations. And I listened to this and I thought, well, that's beautiful. That's just kind of the thing that I would want people to be saying and thinking, you know, come down from the, the cold, abstract language, tell small micro stories. Wonderful. So I created a slide, pretty much the opening slide of the presentation to the group that he was part of. And I, I put the transcript of that quote on the slide, but without his name at the bottom. It was just sort of anonymous. So I put this thing on the screen. I said, does anybody know who said this? And uh, and paused. And of course, I'm waiting for the response from him. You know, I'm hoping he'll say, well, I said that. Nothing. <laughs> it went quiet for what seemed like an alarmingly long period of time. And then I heard a little voice, which was more or less. And um, actually, I think I think I might have said that. And I don't know whether it was because he couldn't quite remember that he'd said that or he was a little bit embarrassed to sort of put himself out there on the on the group call. But it was quite an effective way of, of breaking the ice, of creating a connection with the audience. So, again, if you can find something that's a personal link with the people that you're presenting to, I think that really helps you get off to a strong start and create that bond between you and the people you're speaking to. And I think the point is, if you use that technique, if they felt strongly enough to put that opinion out there, you're on fairly safe ground to focus on that, provided it helps you get into your theme. Um, they're likely to feel flattered that you've noticed it at all, um, which perhaps will help when it comes to you know buying the messenger as well as the message. And if you're feeling a little more adventurous than that, you might start with something that seems completely unconnected with the topic on the agenda. It might be something you've watched on TV uh, or an incident that happened on a recent journey to work or maybe a walk in the countryside. And when you start this way, you're producing a feeling in your audience which might be, what on earth is this about? But because you're doing it with confidence... You know, they feel they're in safe hands and it, it seems relatable on some level. They are intrigued and they continue to listen. They want to know what comes next. There might be a metaphorical link from the image that you put up on the screen and the theme of your talk. Um, but it's important that the audience buys that link. They have to get it and accept it. And you mustn't stay too long in metaphor land before you reveal the connection with the topic of the day. So you might choose an example of something in the public consciousness, um, like some floods in central England um, following a period of um, you know, heavy rainfall. And we get this quite often in, in the UK, particularly in parts of, the, of central England, like Herefordshire. And I remember taking a picture about three years ago of a recreation park in that county that was under about three feet of water. 
and there was a directional signpost, I think they call them a finger post, sticking out of the water. So what could that mean metaphorically? Well, it might mean that in a crisis, you're going to be focused on short-term decision-making, understandably. But as a leader, you still have to give your employees a broader sense of direction. You have to remind them that the waters will subside and that we still have a mission and a vision to fulfil. These are just a few of the ways that you can open what I would call a PPP, which is a pre-prepared presentation. It's easier to do things like audience participation when you're in a shared physical space, um, pre-COVID, of course, or to refer to something in the room uh, or an incident before the talk that you're just about to give. Um, And hopefully we'll get back to those days soon enough. Um, But many of these techniques can also be used in a virtual setting. And the key, though, is to choose the right one, the right one for the audience and for the occasion. And that comes from experience. And you might want to take some advice on this. It's also a matter of what you can confidently deliver when the moment arrives. And that comes with practice. Try these things in a safe setting. Try it with friends and colleagues before you go into battle in a live situation. And finally, I want to make a reference to that tricky thing, the so-called elevator pitch. I'm going to cover this in more detail in in another episode, but you can still open with something attention-grabbing here. It does depend, of course, on how much time you're given. Sometimes it's only... 10 to 15 seconds, and it's rarely more than a minute. But you've got some space with a 60-second intro to be creative, especially when you think of this pitch as the equivalent of a, a short movie trailer. It's the teaser to entice people to want to know more. So in that sense, you can leave a lot out, as long as what you include is sufficiently um, intriguing. And one simple tip is to focus on the need for what you do, the pain, if you like. For example, for an accountancy firm, you might say, um, if you ask a group of business owners what they enjoy most about their work, they'll probably say, you know, this or that and the other. But one response you never get is, I really love doing cash flow projections, or I really look forward to my talks with HMRC. They didn't go into business for that kind of thing, but we did. So that opening takes about 20 seconds, which leaves you plenty of time to position yourself as accountants who love that kind of work and take those nasty jobs away from the people, the business owners that you serve, leaving them to focus on the things that add most value in their business, the things they signed up for in the first place you know, like making sales. So try to highlight a pain which people can easily recognise, but explain it in an unusual way or tell us something um, insightful about it. If you're selling personal fitness training, for example, talk about why joining a gym doesn't always produce results. Maybe it's a lack of accountability. You know, you've got no one to report to. It's easy not to go. Or perhaps a variation on a famous Morecambe and Wise sketch. Um, I'm doing all the right exercises, 
but not necessarily in the right way. As I say, we'll cover this in more detail another time, but there's always a way to introduce a topic and to make an impact in a short space of time, whether that's a webinar, a speech or an elevator pitch. It just takes a bit of creativity and courage. But if you can get off to a good start and get a nice reaction, you will feel better as you ease into your, well, let's call it your main course. So that's all for now from Leaning Forward. Thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to sharing more ideas with you in our next episode.